Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello everyone and welcome to this, the latest edition of ESSR Central here on the Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet podcast feed. I'm your host, I am the main man here, as always, Stephen Wilson. And as usual on ESSR Central, we are here to give you all the latest news, information, rumours, anything, complete nonsense it could be, who knows? That could be a game we play. Guess the nonsense, but that's what that no, no, a joke, a joke, a joke. Uh, no. News, rumours, everything here on the latest ESSR Central. But before I kick off with that show and introduce you to the two gents who will be helping me digest the news, you can find us on all good uh, social media platforms. Can get my words out there. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. Everything going on on there. You can also subscribe to us. If you have not subscribed to us already, hit that big subscribe button on whatever platform you use. In fact, go on to Anchor. Go on to Google Podcasts. Go on to anything and hit subscribe on them all. Even if you only listen on Spotify. It gives my stats good. Uh, and YouTube as well. Find us on there. We've got loads of great shows, including The Conspiracy Theory, The Book It Tournament, and Quiz Showdown. So much going on on now on those particular platforms. See, on the podcast platform as well, we've got loads of great shows on there. Not just DSSR Central, we've got ESSR feature shows. We've got Saturday Draft Live, Eats Me West. Loads of content from us here at the Suplex Retweet. Now, the two, I mentioned there's two gents will be joining me on this particular sh- show. I'd like to think of them as the uh, Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe to my Vince McMahon and anybody who was a fan of the Attitude Era. It's the two Davids. It's David Hockney and David Campbell. Gents, how are you? Thanks, Pat. <laughs> All right, guess I'm Gerald then. I don't know who pulled off the dress better in that evening game match. Yeah. Oh, the goat, the goat would pull off a dress better than any of us could. I'm wearing a dress right now. Prove me wrong. You can, because it's an audio podcast. You doofuses. Spot the nonsense, this is it. Let's go. Ready to talk the news. <laughs> even if it wasn't, even if this was one we put up on YouTube, we definitely wouldn't if you said you were wearing a dress. <laughs> Subscriber numbers down. <laughs> <laughs> Subscriber numbers up. Only goats. You know, it would be it was a wonderful <laughs> website. Get on over there. Pay your tenner a month. God, God, I'd hate to see what you'd put on an OnlyFans page. <laughs> <laughs> Enough about that, we will get into the news, and the big news from the last week or so comes from the land of WWE, and it involves a former NXT champion, it's the man known as Andrade, Andrade Cien Almas for those fans back in his NXT run, he has apparently requested his release from WWE, apparently he did it on last week's Raw, for those of you who may have forgotten who he is, we've not seen him in about six months where he got beaten up by the Fiend if I remember rightly his last appearance uh, but apparently he's been healthy to return, he had surgery initially which is why he was off but he's been fit to return for a number of weeks and at the moment there's no creative direction for him so that request was apparently turned down according to Wrestling Inc but it's an interesting one considering what a star he had potential to be could still have potential to be over the last couple of years, I'll go to Dave on this one I'll Hockney's Dave and Campbell's David. For anybody who's confused (laughs) listening at home. Uh, Dave, what's your thoughts on this? Uh, He's um, arguably one of WWE's biggest wasted potentials because, and there's not many people that can say they've had a five-star match in WWE or NXT. He is one of those people. Oh, Sullivan can. 
<laughs> yep, that's true. As can he see three. Uh, but yeah, uh, let's say a five-star one-on-one match, shall we say. That, that sort of narrows it down. But yeah, Andrade, definitely a massive, massive gain for WWE. But they, as usual, WWE just don't know how to use their NXT call-ups properly. And he, I mean, he did have a decent run as United States champion sort of last year. But ever since his surgery and him getting written off, he's just not really had a had much place for it. And it's makes you wonder what they're going to do with him now that um, Zelina Vega or Thea Trinidad's been released as well, because she was like a big part of his of his character. Mm. Yeah, David. Uh, Dave comes up with the main points. It's a sad recurring theme that we're seeing with a lot of these NXT guys that they have coming up. But there was a lot of talk couple of years ago anyway that Andrade had there's a lot of big things for him he was in the final four in the Royal Rumble that particular year we thought he could have been a massive massive star but it seems to me that he's he's kind of plateaued in a way in the mid card and he's not really able to push above that you know I've been I've been singing Andrade's praises since my very first appearance on uh, this podcast back in day uh, it was wrestling couples I talked about how recently at that point uh, Andrade had been elevated by being paired with Zelina Vega and that act those two together like the, the potential was limitless sorry to steal Keith Lee's gimmick there but you know they could have went to the moon they could have went anywhere with them as a pairing and for a while it looked as though they would in Paul Heyman's draw. You know, Andrade was playing a very, very prominent role, you know, on that show. He seemed to be a favourite of Paul Heyman, but I don't know. We talk about NXT call-ups not going well. I think it seems to be that particular era of NXT call-ups that doesn't go well. Your Andrade, your Alistair Black, he's another one who's sort of floundering right now. No, no, you know, destination for him, it looks like. So... It's a bit it's a bit of a strange one, to be honest. I will say, I don't want to put my conspiracy hat on, but it is pretty suspect that the week after Andrade puts in a release request, Charlotte Flair is not featured on an episode of Monday Night Raw. I'm just saying. Mm. There's a lot bit of uh, speculation about as well that you know Vince wanted him to learn English so that he would uh, get on the roster. But as we know, you know, Andrade's he's Mexican and he's having I mean, obviously, English isn't his first language, and that's going to obviously prove difficult. But do you not think that sort of puts like really serious restrictions on like non-English speaking superstars? I mean, I think he's, I don't think his English is the worst. I think I've heard him in interviews; he's actually not too bad. Considering uh, there's a lot of talk it. about his uh, he failed the wellness policy test last year. Vince apparently may have lost a bit of confidence in him after that particular point. He still kept the US title on him throughout the whole thing. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. ah, uh, let's drop the belt to him. It's like, no, no, he comes back and we'll just, he's still the champ. You know, yeah. 30 day rule. Doesn't a thing in WWE anymore. Uh, but David, David mentioned Alistair Black, and it's amazing that you kind of look mm-hmm. at it. You've got the likes of uh, Day Two, Ricochet, currently, who knows what's happening with him currently, Keith Lee, not on TV. You know, for an era of NXT that everybody classes as the peak of that company mm-hmm. in many ways, that brand in many ways, the champs are not getting a very good run. No, not at all. And I think it comes down to, you know, having the good mix of wrestling ability and character. Whereas Raw seems to thrive on, you know, having these larger than life characters. NXT is much more grounded in that they want a good mix of characters, but they also want to see wrestling abilities. And I think that's what. That's why guys like Keith Lee, Ricochet, and Alistair Black stood out. Like where they lacked, you know, that big appeal to a mainstream audience. I think 
it they were massively popular with you know worldwide diehard fans you know alistair black we knew him as tommy end in icw so you've got that audience in the bag ricochet obviously is prince puma and lucha underground you know the, he's got a following there and keith lee you know he's just a worldwide sensation as like you know he redefines what a big man's supposed to be so there's lots of i don't there's no reason why these guys shouldn't be featured on primetime tv and given the best booking and listen to the names that dave said there like there's there's little you know common factors in that because you can say okay ricochet doesn't have the best mic skills maybe that's why he's off tv all right but then you look at keith lee all right, who can who can cut a promo like no one's business and he still can't get time. You can maybe say for Andrade, oh, he doesn't maybe have the character work there, but Alistair Black's character was one of the most marketable and unique characters WWE has in the roster. So there seems to be no through line with these guys as to as to why they can't be successes on the main roster, which for me is even more worrying because is it the fact that they're all from NXT? Is there something in Vince's head where he views NXT co-ops in a different light than we do. Like there has to be something that's going on there because it's happening too many times and too frequently now for it to truly be a coincidence, you know? I do think the one one other this potential scenario, maybe it doesn't look a winner right now is Andrade. Because if you look at the two sides of the coin, if it does stay in WWE, you've got to feel there's gonna be some there'll be some play for him. Considering as well who his other half is. Let's be, no disrespect to Andrade, a very talented man, but yeah. if, it, if she becomes disillusioned, she's the star of that division. You know, that's a big blow for WWE. Yeah. Uh, but on the flip side, if Andrade was to go, he would be no shortage of offers. He's run previously when he was in New Japan is brilliant. AEW would come knocking at it. He could be a world champion in AEW in about 18 months' time if he wanted to. Yeah. So he's, he's the potential big winner out of this one. So WWE... Are back to their corner. I mean, do you see? Do you see a potential Andrade coming back at uh, after WrestleMania type idea? I'd hope so. Like, they might really, well press- really hope so. Mm. They might as well just press the reset button with them after WrestleMania because obviously, you know, we're in WrestleMania season. Cards have got to be on the table. Like matches have got to be made. Let's wait till WrestleMania passes. Then when fans start coming back, maybe he'll um, he'll fit better into the into the programming. And I don't, I don't even like that though, because it's like you're not going to reset too many people because we know there probably will be call, more co-ops after Mania because that's just the way they work. You know, they like their shiny new toys. So, are we going to hit the reset on Andrade as well as Alistair Black, as well as Keith Lee, as well as if I think that Rhea Ripley won't get called up to after Mania, like we won't see her debut in Raw till after Mania at this point. So, is this just going to be an influx on people? these people coming back with new people, it's not going to happen. Someone's continuously going to get, get left out of the shuffle. Mm-hmm. And I do think what you're saying, Stephen, is right. Andrade might be the big winner out of this, uh, and so might Tony Khan, you know? Tony Khan. Man, needs to learn how to cut a promo, but we'll talk about that later. Nine days! <laughs> Nine days, Stephen! <laughs> uh, Dave mentioned about uh, attendances, David, and... A lot of the big rumours that we've had over the last few weeks is regarding the attendance for WrestleMania. Obviously, WWE have announced for weeks that they are intending to have fans at that one. Yeah. How many fans was the big question? There was a lot of chit-chatter that they were hoping to fill Raymond James Stadium to up to 75%. The big talk today, apparently, is that WWE on both nights of WrestleMania will have 25,000 fans at Raymond James Stadium each night, which is roughly is about just over a third of the stadium capacity, so a good bit shorter than that 75%, but when you've not had fans for that long, 
anything's better than nothing. Yeah, looking at it in sort of two ways here. As as a wrestling fan uh, and as a fan of WrestleMania, I like that we're going to get some of that spectacle back there with the fans in attendance. Uh, and they still will make some noise, you know, in that stadium. It's not going to be a case of like, yeah, sort of, you know, uh, house show. You know, it will, they will still make some noise. You'll find a way to look, make it look good, find a way to make it sound good as well. So I'm happy about that. The fan thing for me has been troubling in that WWE as a corporation seem to just put money making, you know, at the at the pinnacle of everything that they do. You know, the, the morals of the company for me throughout this pandemic pan, pandemic pandemic era have come into question. And I wonder if obviously the world's getting normality back, right? In some sense, but is twenty five thousand still too much? I know it's a third of the stadium, but you're not out of the woods yet. Florida's not really doing great, hasn't done great for the, the entirety of you know this situation. So I, I still question it and I still sort of worry and wonder about it. Now, having said that, I think you know the Euro's still going ahead in the summer. Our country is going to get back to normality. We have a roadmap back to normality. So maybe I should give them the benefit of the doubt, but I don't know. It's just the, their behaviour throughout the pandemic has me questioning whether this move was the most thought through, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm. D- David, uh, Dave, uh, Dave, sorry, David makes a fair point about that one. You kind of question it, but at the same time, we look back a month ago, the exact same stadium, mm-hmm. an equivalently big event in the Superdome. Yep. 25,000 fans in the Superdome. That event looked fantastic. I've not heard any news of anything that's came out of that event in terms of health and safety. To be honest, I don't follow American news very much. So there could have been a massive, massive spread for all I know, and I'm just completely oblivious to it. But uh, if they can do it, surely WWE can do it in the exact same venue. Yeah, I'm a bit more optimistic about WrestleMania this year. Obviously, the the Super Bowl went still went ahead with, uh, I think it was 10,000 fans in the arena. No, 25,000 in the exact same venue. Oh, was it 25? Yeah, okay. yeah, the exact same numbers. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I can see why WWE's changed it from 45 to 25. Maybe they thought, maybe they'll, we'll just try and push the boundary a bit, you know, try and get a few more in. But I think they, it seems like they've uh, conceded to the Super Bowl restrictions now. But And I do follow American news quite a lot, and there didn't seem to be any sort of massive outbreak as a result of, you know, everybody attending the Super Bowl. So it's, uh, I think it, it will probably work this time around. And obviously, as you mentioned, you know, Florida's not... Not a great spot to be in in terms of outbreaks and stuff. But the US is moving very quickly with their vaccination process. And they say, I think I think Biden's promise was, it was like he was to get 100 million vaccinations in 100 days. And 100 days would be sort of, I think that would be around just after April, sort of beginning of May time. So you're talking maybe about a month, maybe about 70, 80 days in. It's looking like... Uh, the vaccination for America might be up a lot more and it, that would make things a lot safer specifically for those going to the going to the stadium I mean the one thing I have read is apparently Florida has some sort of dip recently I don't know where the dips came from you know I don't really it's, it's like I say I, I just look at North Lanarkshire when Nicola Sturgeon announces it like oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> the local newspaper in Glasgow says that my neighbourhood is uh, the cases are so low they're practically non existent what newspaper it's a website Glasgow Live is a website okay <laughs> website. website website newspaper potato potato no, it's not. No, it's not. Anyway, I digress. I digress. Uh, on this, I'll go back to you, Dave, on the subject of WrestleMania. And we've had this week 
announcement of a big match for WrestleMania, I say they could have made this a lot bigger. Let's be brutally honest. Mm-hmm. They had a subtle figure at the start of Raw. It's going to be Drew McIntyre getting his rematch for the championship against Lashley. Mm-hmm. We had a feeling this was going to happen. Maybe they could have done it a bit better. Drew's got a match with Sheamus at Fastlane on the Sunday. Surely they could have had some stakes in that one. Easily, yeah. I mean, that was a golden opportunity to make Drew versus Sheamus. You know, they could have added a stipulation to it. They could have added winner becomes number one contender. That it sort of merges two two storylines in one. And Sheamus has said he wants to he wants to get the WWE title. So this would have made a whole lot of sense. But now they've just said, nah, Drew's just getting it. It kind of it felt a bit a little bit deflating, knowing that. I mean, it's great to see Drew getting a title match against Lashley at WrestleMania, like he in front of an audience as well, like he should have done last year. It just seems a bit. It seems like they just sort of threw something and hoped that it would stick. Like there's, there's not been really any credible build towards it, and that's why we like to often watch the product. We want to see stories told. We just don't want matches to be announced randomly. But so I've got mixed feelings about it. I mean, I'm happy Drew's getting his title match, but the way it was done, mm, kind of questionable. Yeah, uh, David, that's kind of like. Dave summarises a lot that's kind of been criticised about this WrestleMania build. I mean, it genuinely kind of seems that at points they're just going, right, can we do this? Can we do that? Can we do this? Can we do that? We're four weeks in. Is it four, three weeks now? We're finding four weeks of WrestleMania. And the card is still very, you know, we don't actually have a great idea other than what's announced, what's going to happen, which is quite concerning given what WrestleMania is all about. I think there's been two good stories told on the road to WrestleMania. I think the Roman Edge Bryan stuff has been interesting, and it actually is the only interesting facet of Fastlane coming up as well. And I'd, I have enjoyed the Randy Orton Fiend stuff. That's been a long term story, you know, that's continued on, and it's clear where it's going, and it leads to the exciting and the speculation what's the Fiend going to be like when he comes back? What's Y going to be like when he comes back? So those have been told well. Apart from that, it's been a total and utter omni shamble, Stephen. Uh, without to put it kindly, I've I've tried to be kind about WWE. I enjoy watching WWE. I enjoy watching wrestling. I don't like to be down about wrestling, but they've failed the fans in the road to WrestleMania this year with not giving us anything to sink our teeth into, as someone said earlier on, not giving us anything to invest in. If I had the opportunity to go to WrestleMania, imagine I was living in Florida with all the money in the world, I would be struggling to find a reason to buy the ticket for that event because you've given me no reason to care about your supposed main event of Drew versus Lashley. You know, like Dave said, like you were saying there, Absolutely zero story told. Absolutely zero inventiveness. Drew versus Sheamus make it a number one contenders match. It writes itself. I have no idea what they're doing over there at Titan Towers. Like, are they twiddling their thumbs playing with their fucking naval fluff? Like, I don't understand how this can't have been planned out and well and well in advance. It, it baffles me the writing process at WWE sometimes. I mean, Dave, I mean, David has quite rightly had to go to the raw side of things kind of more than anything, and that makes a lot of sense because the raw side of things is a bit of a shambles, let's be brutally honest. But even on the SmackDown side of things, uh, it'd be given a golden match in the form of Sasha Banks and Bianca Belia. Mm-hmm. You know, an easy build to that one, but even at the same time of that one, it's felt a bit stop start because they keep bloody losing to those two on Raw whose names I shall not mention. They're, they've all them up to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the yeah. tag team champions. I mean, come on. Yeah. If you're going to have a match that everybody says should main event one of these two nights, mm-hmm. stop having yeah. them lose. <laughs> Sasha and Bianca is a main event match just by saying it out loud. It's it, it, There's no two ways about it. 
I like and just look you only you have to look as far back as WrestleMania 35 to see the only women's main event match. And obviously it's gonna be different this year because Mania is two nights again. If Sasha and Bianca goes on last on night two, that would be truly considered the main event. I'm not entirely sure. It maybe it might pass, you know, if it goes on night one. But either way, it's got main event written all over it. You know, Bianca has had a rocket strapped to her back and she's just ran with it. She's become probably one of the most talked about women on the entire roster right now. She's got a great uh, opponent with Sasha Banks ahead of her. And But the, this whole build, you know, they've been teaming more than they've actually been feuding with each other. And I think they're really just trying to sort of plug holes right up until the sort of last stretch before Mania. And quite rightly, Stephen, you said they, they keep losing and it doesn't help either of them. It, instead, it actually makes, you know... Uh, the two, the two Voldemorts, the women's tag team champions, look stronger than they are. Well, the build's been so shit, and Dave, you're saying it's a main event match. To me, right now, it's not a main event match. You know, to me, it's a match I don't really want to see. You know, yeah, it should, it should be a main event match, but it, they're just they're really sort of digging a hole for it. When, and they, when they booked was, it, it was a main event match. It had yeah. the potential for the main event match, but the way they've booked it since then, you know, I feel like the SmackDown writing team are so focused on this Edge Brian. Reigns feud. Some of the stuff on SmackDown's kind of felt second fiddle. I mean, we've got teases of some stuff on SmackDown with uh, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn potentially happening again. There's a lot of tease on that. Yeah. So, I mean, and you've, you've got two women, two women who are infinitely better as heels. Both of them are baby faces in that feud. <laughs> like it's. Oh. oh, can you imagine? Was... You know, the boss and the the EST like heel characters just clashing. That is like that's. That's money. Gold, that's golden TV, yeah. Instead, we get really <laughs> whatever they've, that is. Oh. They've not got any. Um, let's be honest. They've not got any faces in the women's division really on SmackDown. They've got the Riot Squad. Kind of. Really. WrestleMania. They've had. They've only four matches announced for WrestleMania as it stands. We've talked about the three matches, David, but the other one for the Raw Tag Team Championships now features the U Day, who are champions once again, taking on the team of AJ Styles and his bodyguard. Almost, you know, a formula they've done before. We talked about it the other day from WrestleMania 29. They kind of had this big he made his debut in a tag team championship match. Yeah, almost he's in there with arguably three of the best wrestlers on the roster. You know, yep, big pressure for him. I like it. I might be one of the only people who likes it, but I like it an awful lot. You know, I, I think that. If there's three people I trust to make a thrown together feud work, it's Kofi, King, Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, and AJ Styles. You know, the three of them ooze charisma. This heel character that AJ is playing is very entertaining. The New Day can cut a promo on anything and anyone. Like you said, Omos is going to be protected. Uh, he's got two guys who he's facing off with who are going to bump around like crazy for him. Um, I think this could be a very entertaining feud. I'm upset that Styles isn't getting a more prominent match at WrestleMania. Maybe, but as he said, the tag team titles uh, is one of the only prizes in WWE he hasn't yet won. So from a storyline point of view, it makes sense for him to go after them. I actually, you know, I don't mind this at all. I hope Omos is good. I hope he's good at what he does. Because if he's shit, then, uh, you know. <laughs> I hope he's like the ground. I hope he's like Shaq. Because Shaq, Shaq overperformed the other week, you know. I did not yeah. want to see Shaq wrestle. I was very vocal about saying I could not give a heck about Shaq. But yeah. hey-ho. Uh, Dave, do you think the hub business could get into this match too? Uh, see, 
it, this is sort of put the the heart business status in sort of an unknown because I really hope that the heart business had a bit more momentum going into WrestleMania. I mean, obviously Bobby Lashley as WWE champion is a huge boost, but it kind of leaves uh, Cedric and Shelton hung out to dry a bit, you know, for the sake of a new day an 11th new day title reign just so they can face AJ and Omos. It's again, very, very weird booking to say the least, but I'm excited to see like Omos finally compete in a, in a match. And there is, a, as Goat said, there's another story behind it that AJ is looking to become a triple crown slash grand slam champion by winning the tag team title. So there is something there. Um, I think again, it's just the way they came about it. Still a bit questionable. It's like, like what we said before, you know, there's, there doesn't seem to be any genuine build or story behind it. They're just having to shake things up a bit so that they can get the matches that they think that we want to see. Mm-hmm. They seem, David, to have some idea what they want to do. Kind of, they see they see wee bits of it. I mean, Asuka's back now as well. We hopefully maybe see her, but she's kind of targeting Shayna and yeah. Naya. And the yeah. part matches Charlotte. Is a four-way potentially in the, in the works there? I this this goes back to what I was saying. I'm questioning Charlotte Flair's status right now. Because why else would the Ask a Shana feud be continuing? You know, if it was meant to be building towards Charlotte, it's a very, very strange situation they've got over there in the raw women's division. Uh, and it does it does throw in question marks about what's gonna happen at Fastlane on Sunday. Um obviously Reginald is still kicking a ball. Uh, God knows how, you know, the James Ellsworth mm-hmm. of 2021, uh, but he can do flips, so it's cool. Um, you know, uh, Stephen, it's just a bit of a mess over at the Raw Women's Division, and I, I, I literally, at this stage, have no clue as to what the match is going to be. And not in, a, not in a good way, like, I'll be surprised. In a bad way, like, it's just a complete cluster, you know? Aye. Dave, Fastlane's a bit of a cluster heck as well. I mean, aside mm-hmm. from the match between Drew and, Drew and Sheamus, which looks good on paper considering what they've done on Raw. Outside of that, there's nothing I mean. Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon. I mean, what the fuck are they doing with they two? That, was, that had WrestleMania match written all over it and they're blown their load too quickly. That's what <laughs> happened. That WrestleMania match written all over it? I don't know. I, see, I, I would love to see Shane get thrown off the big boat thing. I have, yeah, I, I've said this before. Like, shit... If there isn't a spot at WrestleMania where Braun and Shane go one-on-one, Shane climbs to the top of the Buccaneers pirate ship and jumps off it, then it's a wasted moment. It's like, that. I, I know I've said that before and I'm still hoping that it happens at Mania. Because, you know, as we've seen on Raw, you know, he might sort of weasel his way out the match and then it gets put off to Mania. Like, if that happens, then fair play. You know, I'm all for it. But yeah, Drew v. Sheamus, I think, aside from the Universal title match, is probably going to be the one to watch. Why they've not put, like, a no DQ or a street fight stipulation to this is beyond me. Because given that they had the sort of clash with the steel stairs and it was ruled as, as a no contest. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, David, I'd be more excited about Drew and Sheamus if they didn't already pre-announce that Drew's fighting for the title. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it because the two of them would b- beat lumps of each other. I mean, Drew, yeah. Drew on uh, the Raw Talk, you know, dropping F-bombs and everything, you know, he's he's hyped for it. <laughs> but it's yeah. like, you can be hyped all you want, Drew, but we know you're going to win. <laughs> I think that Sheamus has risen his stock in the company once again, but maybe more importantly, risen his stock with the fans recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Sheamus has really been putting in some of the best work he's uh, he's ever done in his career recently. And having said that, I do agree with you, Stephen. It's like what Dave was saying earlier, make this a number one contenders match. You know, make this a no disqualification match. Give me some stakes here 
give me some reason to care. Because to me, it feels like the story they're going to do now is Drew beats Sheamus. There's a reluctant friendship. And Sheamus is going to help Drew at Mania by getting rid of maybe Shelton, Cedric or, or MVP, you know, and be the equaliser in that storyline and they'll be friends again. And I actually don't think that's a bad story to tell. I just think the way they've told it has been total dug meat, you know? Like, that's, that's what I have to say about it. Uh, the, the raw writing team needs sacked. Let's be fair. It's a pandemic and we should not be encouraging the sacking of workers. But yeah. <laughs> is, it the, is it the writing team or is it is it Pritchard? Does this all come back to Pritchard? You know, who, who, let's get on who you know, who takes let's get on the Conrad? Let's go on to Conrad Thompson to tell to Pritchard that, like, because Conrad Thompson's the best guy calling it Pritchard because he does it every week when, they fuck, when they're on the body. He's like, What are you doing on <laughs> Raw? Like, I'm fucking telling. <laughs> You're not fucking telling very well. Let's be really honest. You know, but again, Heyman, you know, Heyman, Heyman did something, you know, I know. I know Heyman won't go back to Raw because there was AJ Styles will end up in NXT if Heyman goes back to Raw because the only place he's safe, he'll feel like, ah, yeah. fucking yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I think it's the place most people feel safe is NXT, to be fair, Stephen. You know? right. <laughs> well, David, that's a good say. David, you have a, a very good segue because there's been a lot of views in the last couple of weeks that have apparently, there's another COVID outbreak at the Performance Centre. Brilliant. The place that you say if you say not brilliant. It's not brilliant. <laughs> you know, it's safe from a booking perspective, but apparently there's been less more COVID outbreaks there than there has pretty much in the oh. Morrison's factory in Bells Hill. But <laughs> apparently there's been loads. But uh what the David, what the heck? You know. Why, why is there still this thing happening a year into the pandemic? Surely they have an idea how to stop these things. I think NXT will be hit harder because they're still reporting to the Performance Centre. They're probably getting more physical with each other more regularly than the main roster are. You know, like, think about if they're doing, like, training matches, training sessions, classes, etc., etc. That's still ongoing. It's It makes sense to me that they would have more outbreaks, but then that doesn't forgive it or that doesn't excuse it. You know, if that's the situation, you need to be putting more measures in place, more guidelines in place. I mean, you've got members of your roster who I wouldn't name, uh, but whose names rhyme with Racy Marinaro. You know, like going about, you know, breaking every COVID rule under the sun. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's a game of Monopoly and she's trying to get everything with a hotel on it. You know what I mean? Uh, I I understand what the reasons why NXT has had more outbreaks comparatively. At the same time, like I said, it doesn't forgive it and clearly something has to be done here. That that person that you said, it was quite hilarious because a couple of weeks ago, I think it was on Twitter or something, she put out a video about safety about yeah. during this time and everybody's like come on hen come on like, anybody, anybody that follows you on Instagram knows exactly what you've been up to uh, that's like Bongani Zungu telling us to stop going out and partying I mean, come on if she, could avoid, if she could avoid COVID the way she avoids touching the floor we'd all be in a better position but apparently not <laughs> she is good at avoiding eliminations but she is good she's very athletic so we sure you, you, you could, we could be talking about anybody here. I mean, we're not actually no, names. We, we're talking about so anyone's name could rhyme with uh, Daisy Darinado. You know what I mean? Like anyone. <laughs> uh, and uh, our boyfriend used to be in Lucha Underground. We can put that name. We could be talking about. We could be talking about Ty Valkyrie. You know, Irish, who knows? Irish guy. Irish guy. 
Aye, the friendly Irish plumber. Yeah, forget Rick, what his name was. Rick O'Shea, I believe. <laughs> uh, big, big, big Trev. Uh, <laughs> oh, how we laughed! Spot the nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Dave, what's your thoughts on uh, this COVID outbreak of Portland NXT? Oh, you know what? Whenever I see an outbreak, I put it down immediately just to human behaviour. Like, t- for the past year, we've been told, you know, keep your distance, wear your mask, ha- sanitise your hands. Like, it's been, it's basically been gospel now for the past year, and yet people still think it's some weird, like, political issue or, you know, some kind of, uh, God knows what else. Like, it's it's a public health sa- it's a public health safety announcement. It's not meant to be a political game of one-upsmanship, and yet people are still socialising with you know large groups of people without masks, and you know as if they're carrying on pre-pandemic. And then I, I don't want to be sort of going off on a tangent here, but you know when you're working with people in a close combat environment and you're not wearing any protective gear, you're going to be more at risk, especially in a hotspot such as Florida. So why people can't just appreciate the fact that you know we can't be together in person but we have all this technology at our disposal we can still interact with each other you know however however which way we can and yet sort of just make something for it until everybody gets well more at least the majority of people get vaccinated then you can go out and have all the parties you want yeah something i mean you talk about what up much during this pandemic david you've clearly not uh, heard the eu Given any talks about the vaccine, you know that's that's something bloody else. <laughs> oh my god! But uh, NX, NXT, they could be, they could do it better. They could do it better. Um, Is that the slogan? <laughs> oh no, no NXT's grand. Don't be, don't be bashing that. But no, the character. <laughs> The characters and the concept is fine, but the people behind the characters need to have a word with themselves. There's a there's a great picture going about of uh, Finn Balor and Carrie uh, Cross. Uh, Balor actually shared himself because he's got Balor's got the, the the was it the temperature gun? Negative. Oh god, there's something else. Uh, Balor, Balor might do that. That might be his uh, takeover entrance. You know, boom. Oh yeah, that's an announcement. Uh, NX, oh. NXTT's two big announcements this week. One of them is a two-night takeover that they'll be doing the Wednesday and Thursday before WrestleMania. The Wednesday night will be live on USA Network as they do, you know, all the shows. And then the next night will be exclusively on Peacock if you're in the US. For the rest of us, still the WWE Network. Uh, you can find it there. And the second of the announcements, which we kind of had a feeling about, was the announcement of the NXT Women's Tag Team Championships that they gave... Dave initially to Raquel and Dakota, but mm-hmm. by the end of the night, they were no longer the champions. Oh, poor Raquel! Like you know, she was she was on such a big role after War Games, and yet you know she suffered more title losses than uh, most other NXT competitors in the last few months. But you know, on the plus side, she does seem to be going for. Uh, Io Shirai in the NXT women's title at TakeOver. So that's a, a saving grace. Um, but yeah, I think Dakota and Raquel definitely deserved the a tag team title run of sorts, given that they were the first Dusty Cup, women's Dusty Cup winners. But at the same time, Ember and Shotzi have been, you know, a very good tag team in their own right. So for the titles to change that quickly was a bit of a shocker, but I've got no qualms about it because both those tag teams, you know, they're more than deserving of a tag team title run. And it 
the fact that they've now introduced a women's tag team title to NXT exclusively, it's just a it's just a big big statement to say this is how stacked our women's division is that we can have a singles title and women's tag team titles with some of the best competitors worldwide. I mean, the women's division is that stacked. They had them all standing at the stage, and you stand there looking, who is that? Who is that? Who is that? Who's? I didn't actually know who half them were. I'll be brutally honest. It's quite a bad figure, but they've just got that many yeah. people signed up at the moment. Uh, yeah. Ember and Shotzi, you know, having a feud with The Way is probably the, well, The Way they're going to go with it, uh, because I think maybe they just wanted a face heel run for the, the tag titles. And Raquel was due a singles title run anyway, so it's I think it all worked out in the end. I mean, David, it does make you question in one way. If this is the plan that they were going to do, why not have the winners of the Dusty Cup get the titles? I get why, because it gives you, you know, it allows you to have Nia and Shayna come back to NXT. I do think that match could have been booked better. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think I don't think the concept and the story is bad in itself. I just like like we said a lot today. The way it was pulled off was bad, you know. With the women's tag team titles themselves on NXT, I'm so happy about this. Um, we look at that two day takeover, and you you think about the number of potential matches that could be, you know, how that card could be dominated by women. You know, we're probably going to get. A, a, EO versus Raquel Gonzalez, a women's tag team title defence, uh, the Zia Lee story continuing on on the night. You know, there's so many ways that they can go with the women's division in NXT. And when you compare it to what's happening on Monday Night Raw, a three-hour show, when you even compare it to what they're doing with the women's division on Friday Night SmackDown, it is a complete eye-opener as to the way that certain people view and treat women within that company like we talked about John Laurinaitis coming back to WWE and this is I think is part of the problem NXT has a very modern outlook on what wrestling should be and knows that the women's division isn't just a division in itself it's half of the population of the world and theoretically could make up half or more than your roster on any given day WWE still view it as a sideshow and an attraction on the main roster I mean, you've got people like Johnny Ace who decided that company policy was to hire models to wrestle instead of actual wrestlers. Not, not a good sign. Not a good sign. No, I mean, even then when you talk about the bad booking of the women's division, it was nothing compared to what it was like in 2000 in WCW, which we talked about on this week's feature show, the final year of WCW. Yeah. I'm a pro. Uh, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Kimberly Page. Or how? No, I'm kidding. I'm not, but <laughs> no one's a fan of Kimberly Page. I don't even think. Oh, Jesus. Uh, uh, Dave, stand, stand and deliver. The name of the two-night NXT TakeOver mm-hmm. show. I mean, it's an interesting move that they've kind of went with. I think you've got to say that they've maybe done it for two reasons. One, obviously, WrestleMania is a Saturday, Sunday. They can't do the NXT TakeOver in its usual spot. And the second is... They're pushing the fact now that they're on the Peacock service now. So by doing it on, yeah. the, on, on the USA Network and then Peacock the next night, helps plug that pan and says, you've watched the first two hours, here's where you find the rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think they've got to you know make the most of this Peacock deal in some some capacity and having a two-night takeover is definitely a good way of, of doing it. I, I was curious about the name of Stand and Deliver. Is that like a something to do with Pirates or something? Because I know it's a song by Adam and the Ants, but were they dressed as Pirates in that in that music video at all? I don't know. They I were. Hi. From, from a quick Google, they were. 
<laughs> I can't I confirm. I'm not a huge thought, Adam the Ants fan. I just googled it. They were. I thought they just did the random, the random name generator on Google. Like, oh, what do we want here? What do we want? We can't, we can't do NXT take over Florida because we've been in Florida for the past year. Tampa Bay again, but then again, if they're still filming at the Performance Center, that's yeah. Yeah, they're that's not even they're not even going to be in Tampa Bay. They'll probably record it like that's another probably do one live and then they'll probably do uh-huh. one live actually. Yeah, um, no, I think they've got to make the most of the USA Network deal that they've got going and also streaming on Peacock. So it's kind of like, you know, when they um, when they first started with the USA Network, I think the first hour was on the network and then the second half when it was, was on USA. So it's just sort of getting that sort of cross, uh, cross-broadcasting to try and maximise viewers, not just from the USA, but from around the world as well. Yeah, David, it really is an interesting time for NXT because they've got this doubleheader on the first day and there's a lot of big speculation that once WrestleMania is out of the way, they won't be on the air on the Wednesday, they'll be on the air on the Tuesday. You know, there's a Thank lot of talk that apparently on the schedule is Tuesday, it's going to be in the night the week after WrestleMania. So this could be a big couple of weeks for NXT, that, you know, that big double night, and then the Wednesday night wars coming to an end. Good, good, because nothing's been more toxic to the wrestling fandom than the quote-unquote Wednesday night wars. You know, AEW Mark's excited that they beat uh, WWE's third, uh, <laughs> third brand. You know what I mean? The NXT fans saying, oh, but... On Dynamite! On Dynamite! Oh, it's just like, I can't I can't deal with it. Having said that, whether they go to Tuesday, I believe there's a NHL deal in the works with the USA Network that could throw a spanner in the works with regards to it all. Yes. So it's a bit up in the air. Um, but I personally would like to see NXT go to Tuesday nights, end this discourse about ratings and demographics and who pulled what and why the reason was and fucking what Brian Alvarez tweeting about it every week. What's he <laughs> going to tweet about? Who knows at this point? You know, oh, there's, there's, oh what an absolute terrible person. Uh, but anyway, yes, yeah, I'd be happy for it to go to Tuesday. I mean, David, I'll be up against your favourite show of the week in dark. <laughs> oh, good, good. Maybe it'll kill it. Uh, you know, I, I heard they're on a higher level now. They have a second dark because that's what I was asking for. Jesus, wet. Oh, we'll talk about that briefly later on. Uh, get one more item of WWE news that I want to talk about, Dave, and it's post WrestleMania. It's that time of the week of the period, whatever the heck I'm going to call it. Where WWE <laughs> need to figure out where the hell they're going to hold their programming during this pandemic because obviously they're still not going to be on the road they currently they're in the Tropicana field which they can't they won't be able to use after Wrestlemania so where are they going to go mm. according to John Alba they've been rumoured that they'll be their new home as I may pronounce this terribly please correct me the U the Uling Centre at the what University of South Florida the Y-U-E-N-G-L-I-N-G Spell it again. Y U E N G L I N G. I think young- it's the the Youngling Centre. Youngling, yeah. <laughs> younglings. <laughs> <laughs> he killed younglings. He <laughs> killed the young. You, you, McGregor laughs when he says that line. <laughs> <laughs> Killing younglings. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, formerly known as the Sundome. It's formerly known as the Sundome. Oh. I'm going to call it that. A much oh, better yeah. name. Uh, I, I quite like the Thunderdome, actually. I think Thunderdome sounds better. 
Well, they're still going to call it the Thunderdome, but the venues used to be called the Sundome. I always call it the, th- the Thunder Sundome. <laughs> Combine the two. Oh, Jesus. Sounds like a, that sounds like the ending to a Avengers spin-off. <laughs> <laughs> Avengers Thunder Sun. <laughs> uh, so, Dave, are you glad to see they're kind of mm. holding off still on the, the resumption of the live schedule? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, not until the pandemic's fully under control, like, you know, enough people are vaccinated. That's when I think they'll be safe enough to go back on the roads. But keeping it in Florida, it's actually a big relief for a lot of the talent. I think we've talked about this before, because going on the road, you know, it's mentally exhausting, it's physically exhausting, and they're competing near enough 300 days a year. Uh, Whereas with, you know, the Thunderdome set up in Florida, you know, they're competing at most maybe two, three times a week. And... uh, yeah, it, it seems to be a lot, a lot easier as well. So, but as like as long as they keep the rotation around in Florida, it kind of gives it gives it the option for a you know a change of venue, something a bit simpler. But obviously, having the virtual fans and stuff, it's definitely the safest option uh, to to watch it. And it's not that it's been a, a failure because the Thunderdome's actually been a massive success, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And we got so much pyro as a result, so it's a. Uh, I mean, pros and cons, but I'm happier seeing pyro than no pyro. Pyro. Uh, David, uh, how long could you anticipate this Thunderdome thing will last? Because obviously, let's be honest, this time last year, people were like, WrestleMania will be in June with full fans. (sighs) What a time time that was. Uh, So it is a bit hit or miss. I mean, from what I've read briefly, the US, Biden and the US, administration are rallying through these jabs at a good rate he's easily going to make his target of 100 million in 100 days at the minute I think he's about 80 million so far and it's only it's only been two months yeah so on that note David can we be optimistic potentially that by after SummerSlam the live schedule could resume uh, I think I think that's a realistic target I could see them maybe running uh, live crowds at pay-per-views, you know, between Mania and SummerSlam, you know, doing it monthly mm-hmm. could get in buys from people traveling to Florida if travel opens up in the US from other parts of the US. If they're avid WWE fans, they could just wait to SummerSlam and then do that as like the soft reset for fans coming in. My question is, to what extent do WWE want to reopen the house show circuit? Because we've been told that they've got record profits now in this era. You know, the house shows were losing money. It was reported for WWE. Dave's already talked about talent morale and what it was doing to talent in terms of injuries and wear and tear and stuff like that. If I was WWE, I would be cutting down in its live event schedule and maybe even binning it with the exception of the European tours and the international tours, etc. Because is there really a market for it anymore? And I think WWE need to be honest with themselves about that and really seriously ask that question before committing to it. Mm. I think there's two sides of the coin in that one, David. I think you're right in saying that at the point before the pandemic, the live the live event stuff was not working. It's mm. different when they come over here. It's different when they go to Europe and that type of stuff because we don't get that type of stuff regularly twice a year. Yeah. And we get a house show when we do it, but we still want to see it. So you can understand that aspect of it. They have to put on the same production that they do for the TV shows and that one to a degree. So, yeah, it makes sense that they'll be losing money if they're not getting the crowds. But on the flip side, we've been in a pandemic for a year where we've not been able to go to all the things we like. Mm-hmm. So you may be at a point that when they may be tempted when things open up to that for that again, that they might be able to entice 
people buy up to these events because let's be brutal. When you've been locked in your house, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing Dave. <laughs> I know what I'm <laughs> I, I joke, I joke. I, I, I said somebody else, but I'm slagging somebody's on the show. But uh, you look forward to these things. I mean, I'm looking forward to building a shed in my back garden that I can put things in. No, know, I, so. and I get, I do get that. But I, I, at the same time, I think that problem is uh, is more effectively solved with varying where your TV tapings go. You know, because you could maximise that by having Raw is live from New York City. Uh, on Monday, SmackDown's live from Tampa, Florida on Friday. You know, Raw is live from St. Louis. SmackDown's live uh, from Boston. You know, th- there's ways you can do it because you've got two separate rosters. They could effectively be traveling the country. The two separate bands are in different parts of America. So you're not worried that Raw's out selling SmackDown, SmackDown's out selling Raw. Uh, to me, that's how, that makes more sense from a business standpoint. I do get what you're saying about the influx of people wanting to spend, spend, spend. But having said that, I don't know what the situation is with disposable income and whether people have really managed to save as much as some people predict, you know? Yeah. See, just to just to add on to that, I think the I wouldn't be surprised if they actually scrapped the live show circuit because, you know, obviously dispensable income isn't as, you know, frivolous as as it was like a few years ago. And I think they would actually benefit a lot more if they just did pay-per-views on the circuit. You know, they could do all their TV tapings in Florida, you know, keep doing wow. the fun. Yep. Yeah. And only save their monthly pay-per-views for going to another city. Kind of like what takeovers do. You know, all NXT TV tapings are done in full sale or the performance center. And whenever they do a take when they used to do a takeover, they went to another city. Like that if WWE, if Raw and SmackDown did that, I think the demand would continuously be higher depending on what city they were in. And then- the problem the problem with that, Dave, is though, like you would need to lower production of Raw and SmackDown and you need to lower ticket prices because the reason it worked for NXT was that they had a loyal fan base who were getting into full sale for cheap. You know, and Florida is a big tourist destination as well. I'll concede that. So that might have played into it for like if a wrestling fans going to Disney World, it's like, oh, can we go can we go over to Full Sail University and watch an episode of NXT tonight? I don't think it works the same way for Raw and SmackDown, uh, unless they bloody pull out a TNA and move production to the Universal Studios. To me, it doesn't work in the same way. I, I do think that you need to keep the TV touring and maximize profits that way. Um, but I I do agree with you as far as the house show circuit is concerned. Yeah, yeah. I think I think well, I think they need to keep the TV stuff in because it kind of helps them establish. Oh. But I think they need to be more, you know, smart where they go. Because I think they go yeah. to certain they go to certain places in America that's like they get absolutely nothing. Then they'll go back next yeah. year. It's like don't go there. Go to place. Yeah. Mem- remember that crowd in that place when the four NXT guys ricocheted oh, like Champa and Gargano. See if they went to like bombing New York or Chicago and did that. The place when I went yeah. absolutely nuts. Like I like, yeah. when that happened. Absolutely fuming. Can you imagine if it was in Glasgow and they did that, Stephen? Oh, God. Yeah. Like, just, sorry, I meant to say, I meant to say, you know, I think the, the, the weekly Raw and SmackDown tapings, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think those should be, you know, on the tour. But as for the house show circuit, you know, the untelevised event, yeah, yeah that needs to be scrapped. There's Stop no point it. doing a house show unless you're in, see, unless you're touring in another country, unless you go to Japan or Europe. Yeah. Don't do them. Mm-hmm. It's just pointless. Yeah, like, they, got, they got enough shows, you know. And like you're saying, the bigger, if you want to just target the bigger markets where you know you're bound to make money, you don't need to do a house show, you know, in the in the, the arsehole of Seattle. 
You know what I mean? Sorry for, yeah, you know, yeah. sorry, sorry for insulting Seattle, but you know, you don't Seattle need to do that. Seattle, my are calling Dr. Salads and Scrambled Eggs. It's the only thing I think of when I think of Seattle. You think Andy Mitchell? No, I get you. They're calling again. Anyway, enough about WWE, enough while I dance on my chair for the people who can't see it. Uh, we're going to move over to AEW and we're going to talk about Dynamite! About Dynamite! <laughs> Nine days! <laughs> You're going to get a shot! Oh my god. Before we talk about that, uh, Dave, big angle to end Dynamite this week. The implosion of the other circle. You know, mm. Sammy Guevara came back and he had evidence that MGF was colluding and it looked as if he was finally going to get his comeuppance. But mm-hmm. Mr. Friedman had one step ahead of Jericho and Co. And it appears that he has formed his own version of the Horseman 4. Mm-hmm. And they've finally given Sean Spears a good booking. Finally. <laughs> after what's been like a year and a half, Sean, they've given something for Sean Spears. But yeah, uh, oh, this is like faction warfare that was meant to happen last year. And I'm going to be honest, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this right, right now. If I was the fantasy book, this stable, this uh, faction warfare straight away. I think they're going to do exactly what they did with the inner, what they were going to do with the inner circle and the elite at Blood and Guts. The cancelled, yeah, match the odds. This is no. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've got five v five, I believe, and yeah, that, I think they're going to pick up where they left off. And I have seen rumors floating around that the they do have a potential name for this, uh, you know, reinvented four horsemen stable, and I think they've called it Pinnacle. Something looks like it's pinnacle. Yeah, looks like it's pinnacle. Uh, but you know what? F- FTR has finally got direction after losing the tag titles. MJF and Wardlow have got a new, you know, lease in it on AEW. But I'm most excited about Tully Blanchard and Sean Spears' involvement now because Sean Spears has been, you know, has spent more time on Dark than he has on Dynamite, and he's finally getting that that spotlight on him. So I just hope he takes the ball and runs with it because he's been given a golden ticket from MJF. I mean. I mean, David, I don't know who has more of a stiffy for Wardlow, you or JR. <laughs> I'm telling you, JR doesn't need to tell me that he's a future world champion 10 times a match because I already know that. <laughs> uh, I already know. I will pick you in the draft one day, Wardlow, son. All right, tell you who else is a future world champion in AEW, or at least should be, Tully Blanchard. What a performer that man is. Do you know, I was thinking about this. Ageism in wrestling is a serious problem, all right? Because I bet you that Tully Blanchard and the performance he put in, he can go better than fucking 70% of the wrestlers out there, you know, trying to make it in this industry. I think the issue is when you get guys like the Rock and Roll Express and Goldberg. I like it. Yeah, I don't. If it's done, if it's done well, it kind of works. I mean, I mean, Grant, what a spike pile driver by Tully Blanchard. I mean, something else. I mean, uh, we talk about you talk about Wardlow. See when he did that power bomb, I was worried oh. he was going to drop him. Oh, when he was lifting them, it's like oh, <laughs> my, oh no, he's got, he's got, he's got, he's fine, he's fine. Oh wait, he's going, he's just going to fucking slow him off the stage anyway. <laughs> Listen, I, I could talk about, I could talk about Wardlow all day. I could talk about Old Man Tully all day. He's an arm oh, and my documented favourites now uh, for the uh, Star Faithful. You know, Tully Blanchard, his name will come at my lips many a time. Uh, I'm a bit worried about this stable. Stable warfare is something I like. If done well, 
Uh, I am intrigued by the idea of the inner circle as baby faces. I think that they have the charisma uh, to pull that off. All of them are actually fairly likable, which in a way kind of hindered them as a heel group at uh, one stage into their existence. You know, uh, I'm worried about Pinnacle. I think MGF will be an, uh, an undeniable winner out of this. Heading up his own stable, works for his character. He's great in the mic. We can't say enough things about MGF. I'm going to disagree with Dave that this is the right use of FTR. And I'll tell you for why. The Young Bucks are considered a main event attraction in that company. They're considered to be the head of the tag team division. They're able to main event shows. Why are FTR not considered in the same light? Why are FTR playing second fiddle in a stable to MGF? Are we going to see the identity of FTR be stripped away so that they can be merely hired guns to another character? Yep. That is not what I wanted to see for FTR. You know, so I, I I am a bit worried about this. MGF will be a winner out of this. Wardlow will be a winner out of this. I don't think Sean Spears will be, and I really question FTR's involvement. Um, overall, it'll be interesting to see where it goes, though. I mean, David, the point you make about the Bucks and FTR, there's one big difference: the Bucks run the company, and FTR don't. Yeah, and it's, <laughs> a, it's a it's a joke. No offense to, to the Bucks. The Bucks are uh, good, no. but they're, they're pushed too much in your face sometimes. Well, I feel. Uh, this is it's divergent a wee bit because uh, I, I really have a problem with the Young Bucks and their presentation in AEW TV. I do not know who the Young Bucks are. I haven't seen the Young Bucks. And I shouldn't have to watch a YouTube show. I shouldn't have to see their full work to realise. Oh, this is just the Young Bucks. Like they're neither heel nor face. They're just they're just Matt and Nick. Not sorry, that doesn't work for me. You know, you're putting on a new television show. Give me a reason to care. Give me a reason to invest. And don't just drop storylines and, and character development at a whim just because you feel like doing something different that week. I think in terms of AEW's booking problem, in terms of wanting to do it in the fly and people having their own creative control, I think that's worked well for a lot of it. But it's worked very poorly when it comes to the Young Bucks, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Can I, can I just Yeah, I was just going to say... Um, it's not impossible, you know, for a, a top tier tag team to be, uh, you know, part of a faction and be tag team champions at the same time. I don't think, you know, FTR is at risk of getting lost in the shuffle because the fans appreciate how good of a tag team they are. And if anything, this just puts a bigger spotlight on them, you know, aside from the Young Bucks, all eyes are going to be on Pinnacle with over the next few weeks. And there's no, there's nobody there to say, you know, they can't regain the AEW tag team titles. I mean, look at, um, look at, uh, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but we're, Lij not a not a part of Bullet Club. No, no. There was right. there's there's aspects of it. The evil who's in Bullet Club used to be right. in Lij. So there's um, but the, but the, Dave, you look at it, and there's an example right there: Santana and Ortiz for the longest time. And the inner so underutilized, just, just so underutilized. And that, that's the problem. Like, you can go to different companies. Like, I know the Gorillas of Destiny are part of Bullet Club, and that works. That's one thing. You know what I mean? But in AEW sense, like, in an AEW's perspective, I think tag teams who aren't named Matt and Nick can sometimes draw a short straw, in my, in my opinion. Mm. The other, other example is Pentagon and, you know, Phoenix. Yeah. It took them that long to have a decent, yeah. uh, some decent booking as well. Aye, but look at, um, I think Inner Circle, like Santana and Ortiz are sort of playing second fiddle in the Inner Circle because the Inner Circle is is just is 90% Jericho. That's why it's, uh, that's why I think they've been lost in the shuffle a bit. Yeah. But, but Guevara's yeah, managed to shine and MGF has managed to shine and even Hager to an extent. Ward, you know what I mean? Wardlow as well. Wardlow's came out of like, he's on a million bucks recently. Yeah. You know, as you mentioned it. 
and we talked about how great their tag team division is. They have talent. Sorry for ranting here, uh, but like there's certain aspects of AEW that frustrate me probably more than WWE because I've been burned by WWE so many times. Or like, like it, it's kind of saying that this is a young company. It's a new company who should be doing stuff great, and they have a lot of talent in that tag team division there. But I don't think the stories they're telling with them are, are good enough, quite frankly, right now. You know? Yeah, it does. I mean, there is there was some other decent talking points from Dynamite itself. There was uh, we seem to have Christian Cage who's jumped straight into the head of the queue for Kenny Omega. Mm. We also have the very hilarious uh, Maki Makieto. I can't ever pronounce her name right, but Makieto, yeah, Makieto. Uh, David, we talked about this the other day, actually. Um, yeah. Hilarious, hilarious presentation. Terrible microphone shot. Oh, the, the microphone shot was was utterly dross. I mean, it was it was it was it was bad. It was really bad. Having said that, this woman can save the AEW women's division. She is entertaining as hell. You know, well, Grant McRobbie is is right about about you know this woman and singing her praises. Maki Otto, I was when she came out singing karaoke, uh, continuing to sing that theme song. That is wrestling to me, and I will say AEW does right with comedy a lot of the time. Because uh, it's just so good, it's so fresh, and right now the AEW Women's Division is probably looking the strongest ha- has been uh, since its exception. Because you've got Baker, uh, who I've criticised in the past, I still think can be an effective heel. Thunder Rosa is a great talent. They've got Sunita Deep still sort of loosely associated with them. I don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, Makioto looks great. Hikaru Shida should drop the belt immediately. Uh, but apart from that, you know, there's wonderful talents there. It's good. It's good stuff. Yeah. Because Dave, one thing is, it's a big week for that division. Because next week they main event Dynamite. Well, that not this week. This week actually, as tonight, as the date of recording, you know, we're going to get tonight. we're going to get the dentist versus Thunder Rosa, who we interviewed Ooh. before there was yes. a pandemic last year. Mm. You know, last one of the last interviews we did before the pandemic. Hit. But yeah, they mm. two are going to face in the main event. You know, it's a it's a massive opportunity. Unfortunately, Makiyato is away back to Japan, so we don't know when we might see her again. But mm. oh. it's. You know, the thing is, Dave, the, the Joshi wrestlers, when they came in last year, when they first started, we didn't know much about them and we we're kind of like, well, these people are just being chucked in because they're good and Kenny Omega apparently likes them. But we didn't really mm-hmm. know much about them. But now that we know a lot about them, now we've got to see them a bit more in that tournament. We kind of see what they can offer. And, you know, and if we, they've got fantastic potential if we can see them a lot more once travel restrictions loosen a bit. Uh, the, the getting the the Joshi wrestlers in the AEW Women's Title Tournament was a good way to showcase all their all those talents. And you know, we made this criticism about AEW before about their women's division. You know, they bring in these imports from Japan for like one-off appearances. And you know, people, the fans, we the fans expect us to know who these people are because you know we're the we're these diehard indie wrestling fans. But no, that that's not really the case at all. I mean, sure, we enjoy you know wrestling all aspects, but you know, when it comes to a point where you're asking like, okay, what's this person famous for? You know, why why is AEW so interested in them? It's all because their executive VP is a massive fan of them in, in Japan. It's it's just really hard to sort of get invested in them. But the tournament sort of turned all that around. And the addition of Maki Ito, you know, that sort of displayed, you know, a female wrestler with character. You know, she goes off on ranting, swearing, roasting. You know, people love a good roast. I don't know about you guys, but... I love, uh, a, good, I love a good chicken with some mashed potatoes and gravy. Nice Not roasted that. lamb. Some rosemary and red wine. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, beautiful. Beautiful. I had a conversation with my, uh, 
Laura, my, my other half the other day, and she's like, I could have a roast every day. She literally just went, I'll have chicken on the Sunday. I'll have ham on the on the Monday. I was just like, Vicky, I'm hungry. I've <laughs> <laughs> lost that. You know, I was uh, going to say, if you take a ro- I mean, if she wants a roast every day, just insult her all the time because, you know, there's different inter- interpretations sh- of roasting. Shitty dancer. Fuck you. <laughs> if you've not watched that bit from being the elite that video with her in the dark order you know john silver's uh, a star in the, in the making <laughs> he was loving it yeah like, the if they get those characters shining on the wtv the women's division will benefit massively no. from it. and it, it can they can get away with you know swearing and roasting because it's a tv 14 show am i right yeah yeah they, ah. they, they swear all the time you know probably kenny omega has dog cows to 69 them they can get away with this type of stuff but one thing as well Dave that they've um, they've got a chance to give them a bit more platform because this week saw the debut of AEW Dark Elevation you know because they've already got Dark let's elevate it a bit by bringing the big show in but uh, from what I've seen it's apparently what Dark is with all that wrestling that they chuck in like bombing just in your face Mm-hmm. But they do have a bit of character stuff in it, you know. So if they do that, I'd be happy with it. Just get into the just get in the dark. I don't care for dark. It's three hours <laughs> of my life. I never get back. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think it's just, you just you you really don't realize like how stacked AEW's roster is until you've seen both Dynamite and Dark. But elevation, you know, I hope it uh, it actually elevates a lot of characters. So I think the first match I saw was uh, I think Jungle Boy came out and he was against uh, Danny Limelight. Yeah, Danny Lime, like because it was Matt Seidel that went against Michael Nakazawa. Uh, yeah, it's you know this is a this is a good opportunity for guys like Matt Seidel to you know sort of regain their their characters and stuff after. Yeah, like, like, like Matt Seidel's never had all a million chances in his career. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Evan Bourne, <laughs> but uh, I but I'm quite curious. I'm more interested in you know Paul White's involvement with Elevation more than anything. Because, you know, obviously he was the biggest talking point of the last couple of weeks. He was the biggest signee to AEW since Moxley or Jericho. And I'm I'm interested to see, like, how Paul White's contribution, uh, you know, affects Elevation. Will it draw in more figures and will it help, you know, develop characters of somewhat underutilized talents? So, yeah, it's definitely worth, definitely worth watching. I mean, David, one thing, <clears throat> I wouldn't mind if they had that, if they keep with that whole... Bits of storyline with that wrestling, be fine. Just mm. cut down a lot of the guff that Dark has in that. But yeah. tell Tony, tell Tony can't stay in the back. I mean, come on, he's <sighs> you can clearly he, he, you can clearly tell his impact adverts have been well professionally done. You know, but, yeah. but when he did it off the cuff like that, you know, oh my god, mm. Tony, what are you doing? Stick to your strengths. Go backstage and promote. Oh my god, oh my god, it was dreadful. It was utterly appalling. Like it's not hard. Like they say, the best thing with wrestling from was to get your point across like nice and concisely. You know what I mean? He was t- nine days, nine <laughs> days, oh, nine days. That's this. He just said shout it, and I'm like, what's he playing at? Like honestly, <laughs> what is he doing? Ah, on dynamite, you're gonna get your shot. On dynamite, on dynamite, on dynamite. Like just tell us what's happening. You know what I mean? Instead of <laughs> the ramblings of a madman. You know, it was it was horrid and I will say for Dark Elevation, I hope it's good. You've said it's good matches to start it off. I will say WWE Superstars started off uh, with a main event of Matt Hardy versus The Undertaker. So a lot of shows go downhill, you know. That's all I'm saying. I mean, one thing 
One thing, you, you can criticise the McMahons for a lot, a lot of things, but they're very concise and clear with the promo work, you know. Except you know. for Shane last week, you know. I think Tony Khan went to the Shane McMahon school of promos. Uh, that they opened, like, are they texting each other? Like, which one of us can get our point across in the longest-winded way possible? You know what I'm saying? Jesus oh, Christ. Uh, it's, I'm not it's calling been, you stupid, Braun. Fuck off, Shane. It's, it's been some week for AEW, I mean... Revolution apparently got the best buy rate the company's had ever. 125,000 buys could net the company about $2.5 million. So they're doing pretty well in terms of these mm-hmm. things, you know. Imagine how much they would have got if uh, that explosion had worked. <sighs> Even though it was, at the, it was at the end of the show when they made a blind bad difference. It with my it's such a good match up until that point as well. Oh, oh, it's, it's, oh. it's, it's, it's I, class. It's like um, you know, it's a, a big crescendo of you know, great pay per view booking, great matches, and then you reach, you start to reach that crescendo point, you just get somebody sneezing. That's what that's uh, that's yeah. like what that finish reminded me of. Oh, jeez. Uh, away from the big two companies, we've got a lot, some other bits of news before we round off the show. Mm. And David, two wrestlers from your favorite promotion in the world are now tag team champions in Impact. Yes, the team of David Finlay with the famous dad. Yeah. Finlay's son, if you, people who don't know about David, David Finlay, and Juice Wait, Robinson. Hornswoggle has a brother? I know, <laughs> it's mental. Finjuice. Finjuice, yes. They are the Impact tag team champions. They defeated the Good Brothers to officially be known as tag team champions. They will apparently be taking that championship back to Japan. What's your thoughts on this, David? Oh well, as someone who's been following Finn Juice for years, uh, <laughs> I can only I can say like the sky is bright for these two. No, in all seriousness, I've seen a bit of a bit of both. Juice Robinson, like because back in the day, uh, was in NXT, obviously, and has made a name for himself in Japan, which is good for him. David Finlay has established uh, his own legacy out with uh, the shadow of his father. You know, I think it was good for him to go j- to Japan to make that name in the Indies, rather than you know, oh, he's a second generation superstar. Is what WWE would have done with them, you know. So I, I like this. Uh, it speaks more to the crossover between promotions that we've seen happening recently. Uh, like an Impact Japan deal has been talked about. Obviously, we've seen uh, the guys who just lost the Impact acting title was the Good Brothers uh, playing a big role over in Dynamite in the Kenny Omega storyline. Uh, so this this all just plays into that, and with international travel opening back up again. I'm happy to see these companies uh, working more closely together and I think Finjuice uh, winning the Impact Tag Team titles you know, that's it's a good example of what can happen when these companies, you know get at the table. Yeah David, sir, what a big props to Dave Finlay, I mean in the same week he's won the Tag Championships in America while he's competing in the U Japan Cup in Japan. It's amazing mm. what we get in technology with things these days. <laughs> Clearly uh, one of them's yeah. been recorded and we know that was Impact. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a concept, you know, technology and, you know, recording and stuff. It's almost like, you know, nobody ever does it before. <laughs> but I, I mean, I, I don't really, unfortunately, I don't really follow Japan wrestling as much as, uh, much as some other folks. I know, Blasphemy. I know. Burn the witch. Burn them. I'm sorry. My time's more focused on NXT these days, but I, I digress. Um, uh, I'm more interested to see what they'll do with the Good Brothers now because, uh, you know, as you said, there's that interaction still with AEW and Impact. Uh, my immediate thought was, are they actually going to end up challenging the Young Bucks once Death Triangle gets their shot from winning the the, the Casino Battle Royal? So, I mean, it opens up a, 
a whirlwind of possibilities for the Good Brothers. Like how how much more are they going to get involved in AW, or are they going to go in a different direction and impact? So that that's what I'm I'm curious about. Just I mean, uh, just while you say that, there's another tag team that's been used as a lackey for someone else in AEW Dynamite. I'm just saying they've been doing a lackey in WWE as well. But I I, 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 I'm, not saying, I'm not saying the WWE are much better. I'm just pointing out. <laughs> I mean, one realistic thing they could do. I mean, this is something that when Grant hears me say this, he'll be salivating at the lips. Uh, if Good Brothers want their tag championship back, they need to go to Japan to get it. You know, so. It's something that the two of them have spoke about. They were very vocal when they went to Impact that one of the things that sold them on it was the ability to go to Japan. So mm-hmm. it's something, I mean, but they're on AEW television every week at the same time as well. So you uh, kind of need to, you know, think what's going to work best for them. Do they not blame their tag title loss on jet lag as well? Ah, can't I've not seen Impact. I've not seen the follow-up for it. Probably. Not 100% sure about it. They probably blamed it. I've seen somewhere they they were blaming it on jet lag. Decay will win them. Decay will win them back in Black Taurus. He's another one in my in my Hall of Fame wrestlers of right now. Oh, I haven't How many Black Taurus matches have you seen? (laughs) I've seen a couple now because Impact are really quick to put their stuff on YouTube, which is really helpful for me. So I do watch uh, quite a bit of Impact through that those channels, and anytime I see Black Taurus and the 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 headline, I'm clicking right on that. I'm like, he's great! What a look! It's amazing. Yeah, let's get a look at Poundland Mantor. Off the This is this is Mantor's emo son, right? If anything. Back before the world went to pot and we thought there was going to be loads of indie wrestling tournaments and me and Grant did that one show where we talked about an indie <laughs> tournament. We were very high on Black Taurus on that particular yeah. show. You know, but we... Great guy. Oh, the plans we had, they were like, we're going to talk about this tournament and this tournament and this tournament and this tournament. Only, the, only one of them happened last year. <laughs> oh, man, you know, what, 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 uh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Uh, big, massive views as well. Brought exclusively to us by the Metro, Alistair McGeorge from the Metro, a very good guy. Know him, well, know him. Well, I don't know him well. I do know him, know him from the mirror days. <laughs> I, I, I know him. <laughs> I know a guy who knows a guy. <laughs> I do know who Alistair is. He's a good guy, and uh, he broke the news as part of his interview with the NWA World Champion Nick Aldis that apparently a deal has been struck between Fight TV and Virgin Media here in the nice. UK, nice. to give us a lot more access to pay-per-views that are shown on Fight, which will start this coming Sunday with NWA's return pay-per-view back for the attack, which features a lot of matches. Thunder Rosa will be in action at that particular show. She'll be taking on mm. Camille. If MD who followed NWA last year knows the history between they two, and Aldous will be defending his world title against a man formerly known as Damian Sandow, Arden Stevens, a great tribute I think should be paid that night to the Sensei, the question mark. Karate! Uh, NWA. Uh, Dave, this is a big deal for us in the UK that we could be getting much easier access to fight because anybody who's tried to access fight on their TV knows it's not easy. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, we, we, we've tried accessing fight TV before, and usually we have to do it through an app. But, you know, there's a lot of Virgin Media customers here in the UK. So, this is a great way to sort of get NWA into people's, into people's houses. Like, but. It makes me wonder, you know, does that make the market almost too clustered now, given that, you know, AEW has only just struck a deal with ITV2 in the last uh, 18 months or so. And, you know, what 
what do we expect you know when we've got another promotion to choose from well apparently AEW is going to be part of this deal because obviously AEW shows the pay-per-views on fight as well so that's true yeah they're going to be part of this particular deal which is good considering the fact that since they struck that deal with ITV it's not went very smoothly you know we were promised it was going to be on we were going to get dynamite live on ITV we were going to get all the pay-per-views and ITV wrestling or ITV box office shut down yeah. in the space of a year <laughs> what the hell but David a great thing about this deal as well and the NWA pay-per-view is the great example of it we are getting that pay-per-view Sunday 8pm UK time 8pm yeah. yes Why? God, what the heck is 8pm? I, I, I would love to watch wrestling at that time, like, all the time. It would just make things so much easier in life, wouldn't it? You know, and th- th- this is the thing with NWA. Dave's saying the market's a bit clustered. I, I do think NWA have a really niche uh, hold on it. It is the throwback promotion, as we've said. You know, there's very clear styles that NWA has, very heel face, uh, heel, very clear face heel dynamics, uh, which I appreciate. Good, simple storytelling. Um, Trevor Murdoch, is he still there? I hope he is. I love Trevor uh, well, Murdoch. There's a, there's a lot of big questions about some of the talent that's still there because a lot of the guys who are there are now signed to other companies. Eddie Kingston, mm. obviously W, Eli Drake, or LA Knight, as he's now called, is it WWE? <laughs> My uh, new favourite NXT superstar, Ellie Knight. What a what a look! Oh. There's, a, there's a there's a couple of other ones. Uh, Royce Isaacs, former one half of their tag team champions, is in. He was on Dark Elevation this week. He's his tag team partner Bram, as Thomas Latimer, is competing right. at the pay per view on Sunday. He's taking on the Pope for the television title. Elijah Burke. Oh. Elijah Burke. Okay. Wow. Oh, good stuff. Good like Elijah Burke. I'd have read a paper. I thought I was thinking, you know, Pope. I thought you might be reading Pope Francis for a Francis? minute. <laughs> Jeez, oh. uh, one half of the commentary team is now part of the NXT commentary team as well. Ben, uh, Wade Barrett, Stu Bennett. So mm-hmm. it is a bit up in the air. I mean, Thunder Rose is still there, clearly, but for how long? Because they've got there is some oh, sort right. of relationship there, you know. So it's how they're going to actually do it. Colt Cabana was another guy. He was there. He obviously he's obviously part of the Dark Order now. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I wouldn't have minded. I, I, I still probably wouldn't mind if NWE was to incorporate itself in AEW and they use that as a second brand because I've been very vocal that I hate dark, uh, you know. But I do like the idea of them having two television shows, you know, and, and having a clear identity that way while still keeping the company separate. Maybe I think the problem with dark is I kind of specify the L is you watch dark and it's just you got there's like twenty. Feels like twenty wrestling matches in like two hours. I mean, yeah, I'm all for, I'm all for lots of wrestling matches on the TV show, but you got to structure it in a in a way that makes you kind of grip. Just yeah. straight wrestling on a non pay per view show. It's a complete hodge, hodgepodge, uh, uh, and it means you have to sit and watch QT Marshall every week. I mean, oh, oh yeah, 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 come on, QT's all right. No, he's oh, not. Oh come Dave. on, he's, you're he's... not a fan of QT Marshall. I mean, no. at least no, the Dark never... Order turned it around. Uh, at least Evil Uno is entertaining now, as opposed to when they first had him and he had all the creepers around him. Yeah, hey, look, I'm, I'm not saying I'm not. I'm not saying I'm a fan of QT Marshall, but I don't dislike him either. No. Uh, they're, they're, they're gonna have him feuding with Dustin Rhodes. Exciting, you know. I mean, uh, at least Cody's got a decent feud with Pentagon coming up soon, no. based on um, no. Pentagon insulting his unborn daughter. In a very WWE yeah, very, very cheap heat. Cheap heat with no crowd. 
Or very little crowd. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if that'll get the, the Wrestling Observer newsletter's most disgusting promotional tactic of 2021 using. It won't because it, it was a throwaway. It won't get anything. Plus, Dave Meltzer, body loves. Any Omegas there, Dave Meltzer loves it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, great, great for us because the Fight TV deal, we're going to be able to watch it directly. I'm, I'm assuming it's directly on our uh, Virgin Media boxes, you know. So if you've got Virgin Media, like myself, you'll be chuffed. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely chuffed. If you have BT like Dave. <laughs> no, no, I've got Sky. I've not got BT. Uh, but uh, it's just as bad, you know. Sky Q. You know, I don't know what's happening with Sky. But on that particular note, that is us here on this week's edition of ESSR Central. I hope you've enjoyed as we've tried to digest a week's worth of views in an hour and a half. We always do our best, but if there's anything that you think we've not talked about, anything you'd like to discuss as we have talked about it, as I said, we are on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. We can talk to us about anything. Messages or DMs are open. Just don't do anything dodgy, please. <laughs> uh, we are also on YouTube as well. You can get so much content from us on there. We have the conspiracy theory that I was on the last one with David. Yeah, very enjoyable show. show. Very good show. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the quiz showdown. I hosted the last one. There's a recurring theme here. Very good show. Uh, there's the Bouquet tournament where the final is pretty much everybody here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm very much looking forward to that. Like, do you guys have any any shots at each other, you know, leading up to that to that final? It's all been said. I've, I've said I've, I said that on the semi final. You know, I'm just gonna rock it. Uh, yeah, I've said my piece. I'm just gonna wipe the floor with you. Very right, good. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. But <laughs> yes, anyway, that's all the stuff on our YouTube channels. Loads of there. We've got the retro old reviews. We're bringing them on today. They're part of our old uh, extra feeds. We're going to put them onto YouTube every month there for a bit of an extra content to you as we get closer. Everybody likes to hear about old retro wrestling, you know, especially from the 2000s where wrestling was really, really on par. Uh, and that subscribe button is there. Please hit it if you've not hit it before because you get so much content from us every week. You know, we've got this show, we've got the feature show, a recent one that came out this week on the final year of WCW. If you are not somebody who watched WCW, I recommend listening to it. You'll appreciate we're all right now. When you listen to that particular <laughs> show, you will appreciate what we've got right now going on. It's so bad. Uh, next week on that show, we're going to be looking back at WrestleMania 17. Oh, looking forward yay. to it. It's going to be a fantastic show. WrestleMania 17, arguably the best WrestleMania of all time. Uh, we've also got Saturday Draft Live every Saturday. We've also got East Meets West, which comes out quite a lot with the U Japan Cup in full flow. Those guys are pretty much loads to talk about when they come on. They've got, bu- they've always got bumper shows, these guys, when they do shows. Because Japan just yeah. chucks stuff at them. Like, <laughs> see what happens, you know. Uh, Let's give Scott and Grant some work. I've been it on. I won't hold against them. <laughs> but... That is pretty much everything from us here. For myself, Stephen Wilson, I'd like to thank my panel. First, David Talkney, thank you very much. Thank you. And David Campbell, thank you very much. Don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> I've been Stephen Wilson, of course, and we will see you next time. <laughs>